So, hello everybody. Welcome to the podcast, The Clueless Doctor. And as always, this is, this is your host, Sankalpa, Sankalpa Chakma. Uh, so here I am with yet another episode. In this episode today, I will be talking about lung function tests, or also called as pul- pulmonary function tests. So in the previous two episodes, I talked about the liver function tests in a test which, which we can do to assess the condition of the liver. So likewise, there are also some tests which we can which we can do to assess the function of the lungs. So the lungs, as we know, they they conduct the very important function of of taking taking air in. In, you know, of exchanging gases between the atmosphere and our body because we know that our body needs oxygen to live for the, various, for the various chemical reactions. So we constantly need oxygen and we derive this oxygen from the environment. And at the same time, we, we also produce a lot of waste carbon dioxide which has to be exhaled out into the atmosphere so the lungs do that so yeah so so whenever the lungs they are compromised you know we we can't breathe and we go through a lot of problems so how do we how do we judge if the lung is working properly or not so these are these are the tests that we can do to 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 know the functioning of the lungs the pulmonary function tests. Now, <clears throat> now before I then dive into the tests, I mean, in, in, relation to, in, in relation to lung function, there are some volumes. They are called pulmonary volumes. So these are nothing but, you know, amount of air volumes in our lungs, you know, like, like, like every time we beat, we breathe normally, we we inspire 500 milliliters of air and expire the same amount of air, 500, 500 milliliters. So this is called the tidal volume, that the the amount of air that we breathe in and breathe out in a normal, you know, during our normal breathing. But then, but then even after say inspiring normally. 500 ml of air is how much we can inspire but after that we can make the effort to inspire more air okay like forcefully inspiring so the amount the amount of air which we can forcefully inspire that is called the inspiratory reserve volume and just like we can inspire air forcefully after a normal breath Similarly, we, we can also inspire, we can also exhale maximum air out, yeah, with, with with effort. So that is called the expiratory reserve volume. Now the thing is, now if, now even after the most forceful expiration, we cannot actually expire all the air in our lungs. So so there is some kind of you know, <coughs> there is some kind of, yeah, there is some kind of residual air which stays inside the lungs even after the most forceful expiration. This volume of air, this is called residual volume. So 
So, so there is a test called the spirometry, and the spirometry is, I mean, I guess now nowadays it, it is much more sophisticated. But I think you know the original spirometry, the, the original spirometer, that consisted of a, I think of, of a drum containing air, I guess, which was placed in in, in some water, and then it was kind of stuck to some wires so so that every time we we, we did the test we, we took we took the breath in or out through this parameter it would record on a graph and and that graph used to tell us about the lung volumes so this parameter is a test with which we can actually measure all all the lung volumes except residual volume because residual volume you know this is the amount of air which we, we cannot expire even after the most forceful expiration. So, so spirometry measures all the other lung volumes except residual volume. So that is about this parametry. And this is, this is one of the most common lung function tests that is done. Then, you know, there are some conditions in which we have to know about the residual volume. So there are some techniques to, there are some methods to to, to assess the residual volume. One method is called the helium dilution method. So what we do is that um, we, we, we ask the subject, you know, to, 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 I guess, um, to, to, I guess, exhale air as much as he or she can. And then, you know, the, the person breathes in air containing helium. So helium is an air which is not usually present in the atmosphere so the person has to breathe helium containing air and then after breathing it the person has to exhale it out so by doing that you know with some mathematical form formula and stuff we can actually judge the residual volume so this is one method helium dilution method to measure residual volume then there is another method called nitrogen, nitrogen washout so this is also a similar kind of test but the only difference is that instead of using helium, we are using nitrogen, all right? So that's one nitrogen washout test. Now what, what, what we do in this test is that, um, <clears throat> is, that we, is that once again, we ask the person to exhale air. This time the person doesn't have to exhale air to, to the maximum, just the normal amount of tidal volume exhalation. So after the person exhales, the normal <clears throat> amount of air then you know we we ask the person to take to inspire through this through this tube in the in the nitrogen washout technique now this tube contains 100 percent oxygen air so we have to know that the air which we breathe from the outside you know this doesn't contain huh, oxygen 100 percent i think 70 percent of the gas in the air is actually nitrogen all right so we're, we're, we're actually inspiring air, which contains only some amount of oxygen and the remaining is nitrogen. So, 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 so then the person after exhaling air, the exhaling tidal volume air, inspires 100% oxygen air, okay, to the maximum. And then the person has to exhale that air out. And now, so, and so while the person is exhaling the air out, we can actually measure the nitrogen content of the exhaled air 
and when the reading comes to 2% of nitrogen, that's when we know that that volume represents 80% of the total lung volume. So, so once again, we can assess the residual volume from that figure. So nitrogen washout technique. And, uh, and the, but the most accurate technique to measure residual volume is actually something called body plethysmography. And this is a very tedious technique because, you know, the, the, the subject has to lay, you know, lie, lie inside a, a, very, a very tight air-closed chamber. Now, now, we have to do this because in this test, we, we are actually applying one law of physics, which is called the Boyle's law. So the Boyle's law states that under constant temperature and number of gas molecules, PV, that is pressure into volume, is a constant. So because we have to keep these two factors, you know, temperature and number of ga gas in the molecules constant, so we have to arrange that very, very tightly closed chamber and of course we, do, we, we don't do this test on a very regular basis and I think this test is only for like <clears throat> you know experimental and studies you know, research purpose because well naturally it's, it's going to be very uncomfortable lying down inside a you know airtight closed chamber so we don't do that but this is but this is the most accurate test to measure residual volume so yeah, so those, those are the three tests with which we can measure residual volume. Number one, helium dilution method. Number two, nitrogen washout technique. And number three, body plethysmography. Now, there are other tests as well, other pulmonary function tests. In fact, I think the, the spirometry and, and all these tests which I talk about, that they're actually not that done routinely. There's another test which we do, I guess, more commonly, and that is called the peak flow you know, <clears throat> expiratory rate measurement. So the thing is now, when we exhale air, suppose, you know, if we inspire air to the maximum, which is called the vital capacity, and then we try to exhale the air out, you know, forcefully. So what we observe is that, you know, I mean, the, the, the peak flow of, of, of expiration, say, initially we will be exhaling the air at a very high speed. And, and then and then later the speed the the speed or rate reduces so the, the the highest rate at which we exhale that is called a peak expiratory flow rate so we have observed that the peak expiratory flow rate actually is achieved within the first few seconds when we exhale air now, now this is because you know <clears throat> after a while when we exhale the the bronchioles the airways through which the air has to come out, they they get constricted. So as a so as a result, they it's much harder to exhale air out. You know after after some time of exhalation. So yeah. So now this peak expiratory flow rate, this is reduced in conditions like obstructive lung diseases. In bronchial asthma is a very characteristic example in which peak flow expiratory rate is reduced. So that's one thing. And um, there are also, you know, um, there's also another pulmonary function test called forced vital capacity. And I think this is 
around, I think, I mean, this is similar to the peak expiratory flow rate, but then I guess we have to, um, you know, for the peak expiratory flow rate, the person, the, the subject has to exhale only for a short amount of time. I mean, I mean, the full vital capacity need not be exhaled, but for forced vital capacity test, the person has to exhale the full vital capacity, all right? So with this test, we know which, which de we, we can actually detect obstructive airway disease, any disease in which there is obstruction to the airway in the lungs, in the, in the airways. So yeah, so what we find now, now, now what we find on, on the forced vital capacity in, a, in an obstructive airway patient is that the, the FVC, the, the vital capacity, doesn't really change that much. I mean, it's a bit less in obstructive airway disease, I guess, but not that less. But what we say is that, you know, I mean, I mean, we, we find that the, you know, we, we find that the, that, that because, it's, because it's an obstructive airway disease, the person cannot really exhale much amount of air, air, you know, within a short period. So that's the disproportion that we find in an, in an obstructive airway disease. So yeah, so that's another test to measure the function of the lung. Now there's another test which is called the um, closing capacity. So what this test does is that it measures the amount of air in the lungs when the airways in the dependent portion of the lungs, they close. So as I said, you know, like with exhalation, the airways, especially the small airways, the bronchioles, they, cons they constrict. And at some point, they will close. So at the point when they close, the amount of air in the lungs, that is called the closing capacity. So, so, use, so with that, we can also assess the function of the lungs. And lastly, there is the diffusion capacity for carbon monoxide. So you see, you know, so, so there is air coming in from the outside environment into the alveoli. And now this, what, what do we need? I mean, which cells or element in the body carries oxygen? That is the red blood cells, right? So this air in the alveoli, this oxygen-rich air, this oxygen has to, has to be delivered to the red blood cells. So this is a very important thing we have to know. I mean, I mean if, if, if the effectiveness of the lungs to transfer oxygen from the alveoli to the red blood cells is hampered, then it really doesn't matter even if the lungs they receive the very, very good amount of oxygen from the air because it's useless because the air is not, the, the oxygen is not being delivered to the cells which need it, the RBCs. So the, the rate at which oxygen is delivered to the RBCs from the, from the alveoli, we try to measure that. Now, this would be much easier <coughs> if, we, if we could measure the oxygen concentration in the alveoli and in the pulmonary capillaries, that is, in the, that is the blood vessels in the lungs. But it's, it's very, very difficult to measure oxygen concentration. So we instead measure carbon monoxide concentration. So what we do is that the person will breathe some, some carbon monoxide containing, containing air. And we know that carbon monoxide in the blood is at the, the levels of carbon, carbon monoxide in the, in the blood, they are zero, okay? So then it's very easy to determine the concentration gradient of carbon monoxide. And using that, we can actually, 
we can actually know how how quickly carbon monoxide is being transferred to the to the to the to the blood and by knowing and, and by knowing this we can all, we can actually calculate the diffusion capacity for oxygen because there, there is some kind of figure i think 1.23 so suppose if so suppose if this is if if, the, if if x is the rate at which carbon monoxide diffuses from the alveoli into the blood so the so the rate at which oxygen diffuses from the alveoli into the blood is going to be x into 1.23 so by doing that we can actually determine the diffusion you know lung capacity for oxygen as well so yeah so to sum it up these are the lung function tests spirometry then to the which which measures all the lung volumes except residual volume to measure residual volume we are we can do other tests like helium dilution nitrogen wash health and body plethysmography and th there are other tests as well like peak expiratory peak expiratory flow rate and um, closing capacity forced vital capacity and diffusion lung capacity for carbon monoxide so yeah these are these are the tests these are the pulmonary function tests in a nutshell yeah so yeah so i i hope you took something from this episode and i think and i think it was good right i mean i did cover quite a few things and I, you know it's, it's not really possible to go into the details about each, each and every test it, it would take a very long time for that but but i think yeah this is good enough yeah and yeah so i hope you learned something from this episode and yeah i'll i'll catch you next time then bye bye see ya